Welcome back, dude. It's been a while. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. So this is another one of those impromptu intros because we're in the middle of a good conversation. And once again, we're just like, screw it. Let's start it. So we are talking. um, Let me back up two seconds. For those of you who don't know who Kevin is, go watch episode 20 because I remember memory. Uh, He's a video game designer at, remind me the company. Hi-Res Studios. Yes, that's the one. So if you want to know about video game design, go check that episode out. Um, but we were talking uh, briefly. So I'm coaching some soccer. And we we're basically just saying like how we're older now, but we don't feel that old. But also, I don't know, you were on a point. So go ahead. Okay, I got you. Yeah, yeah. So I was just thinking, I was just mentioning, you know, I, uh, I turned 28 last month. Uh, and when I was 18 or when I was, you know, if, when I was in high school or early college, you know, I would have said 28, that's, uh, that's old, right? You know, that's getting up on in there. And obviously it's not right. You know, 20, it's super young. I think, I think mid twenties onward is really where you hit your stride mid twenties, early thirties. Um, but it was kind of interesting because uh, I was able, or I've been able to reflect on some of the, some of the things that well, I don't, I, I don't feel old, right? I just feel the, I just, I just am me. I just feel me. Um, but I was able to reflect on some of the things that um, some of the opportunities that maybe I wish I had done differently, which is totally fine. I, I wouldn't count it as regret. Um, and then some of like, how can I influence in a positive way um, people who are like 18 uh, year old Kevin, you know, who, who are, who are younger or, you know, if I have just more experience or, or more knowledge in certain things, how can I help? Uh, how can I help them have experiences that I would have liked to have when I was younger? And I was just kind of following up on your point, just talking about soccer coaching and me potentially taking up like a, just a assistant coach on the youth, you know, for youth on the weekends kind of deal. Um, but yeah, that was, that was just, uh, it's just kind of interesting um, as, as I have more experience just living, right. Just being alive, how things kind of shift. Yeah, it is. It is really weird. Like you find yourself not necessarily living through the, and, living through them, but almost like, I remember when I did that dumb, like that thing in that situation, <laughs> right. because that was me like eight, 10 years ago or whatever the case was. And then you remember you had some assistant coach, like for us, it would have been uh, Hernandez. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, don't do that. And we're like, what does he know? And then we're like, we're those people now. It's so, it's right. like, it's full circle almost, even though we're still, Thanks, it's, Hernandez. Not, it's not, it's not really full circle. <laughs> Dude, I love Hernandez. He's doing great, by the way. He's That's sponsors awesome. all the sponsors all the merch. I talk to him. I talk to him actually fairly frequently. He's been, yeah. he's killing it. Also, side note: Did you know one of our teammates, uh, David Etter, is now fighting Muay Thai professionally? I did not. I knew he did. I was pretty sure he did Muay Thai during uh, during high school, right? Like he he did that. I think so. At the same time, or at least starting. I did not know he's uh, he's doing it professionally. It's kind of yeah, awesome. I think it's very recent. I think he's had like just his fourth fight. Oh wow! Uh, and I found that out because um, I was talking to Hernandez about getting some shirts. Shameless plug. DM World XP Soccer on Instagram if you want one. Woo! Check it out. Check it out. I was talking out. to uh, <laughs> I was talking to Hernandez about getting some shirts, and I saw the post pop up. It was like. Sponsored by Tribal Beast Fitness, David Etter. I was like, huh. I was like, if any of us were going to fight, it would have been him yeah. for sure. I remember him being uh, pretty kind and pretty humble. So I'm, 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 I'm rooting for him. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, any, anyways. So it's, it's so, like you said, as you go through life and you just accrue more experiences. And then the thing that I find like about when, like when we talk or when 
when I have the conversations with people, the one like when you've reflected on those experiences and you're still in your mid to late twenties, that's when you can really start to take advantage because you still have not that you're not young when you're like thirty or whatever, but that like twenty five to thirty age, if you've really reflected on what's gone on from college and until that point, you can really start to I feel like take advantage of what you've learned and kind of observed other people do and not do. And like, you have enough of enough wherewithal to almost be like, you know what? I ha- I don't need to experience those three things because I watched those people do them and it didn't work. So I'm not going to do that. And then like, once you grasp, grasp that like awareness, then you can start to like really take off because you don't have to do all the dumb things anymore that you would have when you were younger, you can start to watch other people do them and then be like, yeah, that's not a good idea. Let me try something else instead. And then you can really like, not necessarily exponentially, but like, I don't know. I feel like it kind of works itself out in your favor at at that point. Yeah. You can start, I don't know, almost like classifying things as that seems like it would be a dumb thing to do based on previous dumb experiences Yeah, and, uh, and being able to say, yeah, kind of to your point, like I already kind of did the dumb things. Now can I figure out how to, how to tell how to help other people not do the dumb things in a way that doesn't make them say, Oh, what do they know? Yeah. You know, like I know what I'm doing, uh, you know, um, cause as you don't want to, you know, you don't want to tell, you don't want to, you don't want to tell them like, okay, don't do this yeah. because then they'll be like, so I, I want to do it now, you know? So. Yeah. Cause that's know. what we all did. Yeah, exactly. said, don't didn't like, don't do that. Uh, immediately we're like oh so how do we do that right exactly um, how, how, how can we make it happen but that is the challenge i think that's one of the biggest things with coaching that i've learned and and just like existing as like when i was in mexico with um with that group like being with a bunch of 18 year olds who wanted to play pro and they're like hey you know what let's uh not drink a lot of water after our third game in five <laughs> days because we're 18 and we'll be fine. It's like, no, don't do that. Not a good idea. You should right. probably drink water and not that other thing that you were going to go drink. Um, and you have like this weird almost leeway where you're young enough that they still see you as kind of like one of them, but you're right. old enough you're to where they, where 50 they respect year old, you. Whatever. Yeah. And then, and then you, and then once you pass that threshold, then you have to approach it in a different way, and then in a different way. And obviously, neither of us are at that point yet, where we have to shift how we approach it. We're still young enough where it's like, all right, he's still kind of right. Like, all right, it, he he kind of gets it, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. That's going to be a weird shift, especially like as we get as we get older into like if you start coaching and we get into like, I don't know. It is weird. It's to I think like. Okay, I coached 16-year-olds, and I'm like, in my head, like, without really thinking about it, I'm like, oh, they're not that far away in age. Right. And then I'm like, they're almost as young as my youngest brother, and I'm like, oh. There's a big difference there. But they don't realize it because they don't, like, if you don't tell them, they don't know how old you are. They just think you're some some young guy that's not still in school somewhere. And like, right. Exactly. Yeah. I'm somewhat uniquely positioned too, because I have the babyest of faces. So for another like two years, two two decades or so, I'm going to get you know eight eight plus years uh, younger than I am. Somebody somebody said like, oh, you got to be you know 22, 23, right? Like, I appreciate sure. it, but sure, <laughs> <laughs> but no. Um, and uh, kind of in a similar vein, you know, 
talking about the idea of being able to convey things to people who don't have that experience or don't have that thing. Uh, it kind of reminds me of something that happens with, uh, with games a lot, not to like non sequitur into games, but no, please. But, um, into games. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, for me, one of the things that can be the most fulfilling and the most frustrating is trying to explain um, uh, an experience that, that, that somebody hasn't had uh in in their life like like and this is not only with games but with i think with humans in general it's 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 a lot of humans um it's a learned skill to be able to take a step back from your own experience and your own perspective and say like okay what if what if this thing were different like like uh you know like i was telling you before we started recording i was never um a good enough soccer player to like have pro or semi-pro options out out of high school um, but it, it would still be valuable for me to like take a step back and said, okay, you know, what, what would it have been like if I had wanted to pursue that or vice versa? And in games that, that happens a lot with, um, uh, players who are very, very good, uh, who say, okay, so this is the way the, the, the game is supposed to be played because this is the most effective and this is, this is how you play and this is how you win. And if you don't do that, then you're either dumb or you're throwing my game. And then uh, I, tr- uh, I, I want to try to explain that to as many people as possible that uh, you can take a step back and say, well, some people play the game with their little brother who's 12, who doesn't know how to do anything. And that's OK because they're having fun together. Or some people play the game because they just want to support their friend. They just want to press the heal button. And that doesn't mean that they're like good or doing the right thing. And it's, and it's OK to, to be that way. And I kind of viewed that the same way. The reason I thought of this uh, based on our conversation is I kind of viewed it the same way with um with some aspects of sports especially coaching or training especially at kids who do who are going to be playing in college right they want to be pro they want to be the best that they can be um how does that affect their approach to um to what they do and their approach to life like do they always have to be this hyper competitive striving for the best 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 and is that okay uh, and how can we how can we make sure that they also know that it's okay to not be to not be that way all the time kind of thing. Yeah, that's very interesting because you look at somebody like um, like Michael Jordan is a very easy example. Did you watch the Last Dance documentary? Mm, I don't think so, no. So in, in the documentary, he talks about, there's one example, some guy that was like a rookie for the uh, Wizards, or maybe it was Bullets, Wizards or Bullets. He scored like 30 on the Bulls. And... Jo- Jordan makes up this story in the press that like he was talking shit to him during the game to motivate himself. And then he goes out and annihilates them the next time they play. And it wasn't true. The story that he made up that he was talking. And it's like, you don't get to be that way without the hyper competitive drive. Like, but then at the same time for the rest of us, it's like, if we tell people that like, we don't want to take, the possibility of that next person away because that's kind of where this concept of greatness that I run into sometimes uh, talking with other people on like on the podcast like mm-hmm. this this greatness like there's a reason why Michael Jordan was the best at what he was doing there's a reason why like Jeff Bezos made the amount of money that he did is like there's a reason why these people have risen to the absolute top of what what they're doing and it's because they're like that and so it's like, do you want to take that away from, not that we'd be taking it away from them, but like, do we want to discourage or encourage? And that's sort mm. of a weird, that's sort of a weird one because you don't want some 
like for lack of a better word, some normal person to like be like that. And then when they lose a lot to be like bitter and angry and resentful, but you also don't want to take that away and rob, like rob Mm. that person of the chance to be that person. Like obviously the chances of them being that are one in a gazillion, but like you need that at every step of your life to even have a chance at being that. And so everyone who's like at the top, top, like everyone who you watch on TV in athletics is that way like you don't Mm -hmm. get there you don't get there without being that way right for sure so i don't know it's a weird like it's a weird sort of dynamic because like you said like stress wise you don't want somebody to feel like they have to win everything but then also the people who feel like that and then do win everything become these great people that we all admire so it's a weird one you know that's actually really interesting uh aspect of it i think I think where I, in a perfect world where I would land on that would be, um, I, I would love to, to your point, I would love to encourage people to keep striving, especially towards, you know, uh, yeah, that concept of greatness. You're like, how can I be the best version of myself? Not perfect. Nobody's perfect, but the best version of myself I can mm-hmm. be. Um, and then on the flip side of that, the other side of the coin on my side, I hate, for instance, um, uh, am I allowed to curse on this podcast? Yeah, go for it. I hate shit talking. I think it can be fun if it's, if it's mutually understood, like, or if you're friends, right? Like mm-hmm. give your friends shit. That's fun. Right. But like the, a complete stranger shows up on the other side of the field and starts saying like, Oh, you're a piece of shit. You can't play like, sh-, like all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't, I don't like that. I would much rather, I'd much rather be able to, to, to fight hard and win or lose and have either party be able to say like, dude, that kick was awesome. Like you, you totally wrecked me with that play and have mm-hmm. that be okay. Like have that competition because we obviously we strive to be the best without, without pulling people down. And I think that's really tough. And I think that's a tough thing to hit because like I said, to your point, we want to provide those people, those opportunities to, to rise above the rest through competition or through, you know, um, making the best version of themselves they can be. But then for me personally, again, that whole like, if they do that by stepping on other people or by breaking other people down, I, I find that distasteful. Yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't condone and I don't do it also, but there's a side of that where the game or the competition is so mental because everybody that steps on that field has to fit. Like when you get to a certain level, everyone can do all the physical things. Right. Everyone can run the whole match. So you're not going to outrun somebody. Right. Right. And so it's who has the mental edge. And that's one where it, it doesn't, I've learned throughout, like even from high school, just to like, if you don't say you can you can gain the mental edge by not talking shit if somebody else is talking shit to you because mm-hmm. you're not responding and they're like why is he not responding because usually this works um i don't know how it is at like the upper upper like into professional because i didn't like the game goes so fast that, like you don't really right and you're not going to hear them talk shit to each other right <laughs> right right for the most part like it might be like a word here there like Oh, your shit, and then and then it's like that's fine, and you go on. Right, that's and whatever. Then, and right. then there's the other concept of like what stays in the lines, like stays in the lines, like mm-hmm. of the field, and then off the field, it's oh, that was sick, dude. Like you were saying, so that that exists too. Once you get up to like, that's really tough for people who aren't used to it to understand. Like I've played with people who will come off the field like really irritated with somebody. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm like, dude, it's it's like it's part of the game, bro. It's yeah, like it's game's over, let it go. Game's over. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And like that doesn't condone it. Like I don't do it. I don't think that people should be doing it. But also, you need to build I that. You're. I don't think you're ever going to get rid of it to the standpoint right. of like. So it's almost it's almost like you prepare somebody to deal with it without talking shit back is almost the best way. Like, I, 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 I agree. I agree. I think, I think you need to build a, a, a resiliency, not only on the pitch, but you know, in life, like people are going to be dickheads to you. Yes. Like just, just in life. So how do you, how do you handle that without blowing up on them? Because that doesn't reflect well on yourself. No, for sure. <laughs> so. And most people can tell anyways, like if somebody's being a dickhead, like most people understand that that person's being a dickhead. And then if you retaliate, they're like, Oh, why did he do that? And then all, and then it's all on you for retaliating. But if like, you don't have to tell people like that, that's the case. Like I was talking to one of my friends recently. He was like, well, this guy said this. I was like, dude, everybody knows that he's like, he's lost already. Like when, when he's talking in that way, he's lost already. And you just have to just carry on and then let it go because like everyone around can tell this everyone knows the situation like especially if they're losing in that way like right and then if and then it goes to like being a good winner or a good loser mm-hmm. and then it's like if you're winning and you're talking shit it's like what are you doing like you're right. winning. stop right and then if you're losing and you're talking shit it's like duh you're losing like yeah so still like, what are you doing <laughs> like yeah, you're, you're still exactly. losing yeah <laughs> i don't know i don't know it's it's a very interesting part of like human interaction that i agree exists i don't know i agree who knows um but yeah i don't i I don't it's just i agree though i don't feel the need for it at all like i don't feel the need to to do that i'm just like if i play well then that's fine that's what i need to do and that's it i don't need to tell you that i'm playing well you'll know i'm playing well i'm playing well because i just smoked you three times like exactly like that puts them in a position where, like, exactly what you said. If if they're getting smoked and they're talking shit to you, it's like, I mean, I'll do it again. Like, what do you want? Exactly. exactly. And then, and then if they beat you and they're talking shit, then they're just sore winners, right? And yeah. and, and everyone else can see that. So. Yeah. And there's something about that level of like, it's it's almost unspoken that you know that that person's being a dickhead, but like you know that even if it happens like on your own team, like you're winning and somebody on your team is doing that. And you're like, why are you doing that? It's like some weird unwritten, like ethics type that, that like it runs deeper than sports for sure. Because mm-hmm. nobody like people just know that, like I've never seen that written anywhere, but people just seem to like have the feeling or the vibe of like, like we played one team in um, arena last in the winter and for those listening that played on my team, I'm not even going to have to say which team it was. You'll know who this is. Um, well, we would ask, like, the guys on his team are like, dude, why does he talk so much? And they're like, I don't know. We tell him to stop, and he doesn't. Right. Like, it's his own team. It's, it's, so, it's, I don't know. It's very strange. The human, the human, like, existence and the interactions that exist between people are so weird, dude. It fascinates me. It is. It's, it is truly fascinating. And for just the variety of interactions, the variety of personalities and, and how those personalities come out with different types of stressors or competition. Absolutely wild. So when like and and to your point about video games as well, like there's like with soccer generally it's filtered out by level. Like you want to have most people who are on the same sort of trajectory on the same field, right? Sure. You don't want to yep. have 
But with video games, granted, there's ELO systems. Um, but somebody who just is playing with their 12-year-old brother can match up with somebody who's, like, really good. And then that's, like, the the range for that to occur is almost, like, depending on the... I, th- I think most games probably have ELO systems now to mm-hmm. avoid that. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's not a, as big of a deal now, but just, like, the probability. And then online... People feel like because they're behind an avatar, they can say, like, whatever you want. Like, I beat somebody in FIFA, and he said he was going to come kill my family. And I was like, why? Right. For what? It's like, like video <laughs> game, dude. Yeah, and and you bring up a really interesting point about, you know, we were just talking about the nature of humanity and interactions and, and egos and personalities. But but the anonymity of the Internet is it, – it brings out the wildest aspects of people because they – it, you know, and, and that stems, and we start talking about more and more like high level philosophical stuff, right? Like the, the idea of uh, what motivates you or what uh, demotivates you, right? Like, like the basis level of why I wouldn't do something, at, you know, or why any one person wouldn't do something is to avoid punishment. That's the base level, right? That's animalistic. You know, mm-hmm. if I do something and I get slapped, like literally slapped, then I'm not going to do it again because yeah. it hurt. And then you get up to like, because it's, you know, because I believe in some system or because it's right at the top, whatever right is. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and so, and so, you know, what I, what I feel like is happening is that these people don't have that beyond that first level of, uh, if I say this thing, nobody's going, like, if I say something, something, if I say something heinous to somebody on the street or I, you know, or I, I assault them or something, I'm going to get hit or yelled at or arrested right but if i do it on the internet uh most of the time nothing happens or if i do it in a game my my account gets suspended or banned and i'll make a new account and nothing has happened uh and that allows people to like feel freer to express things that they wouldn't express if they if they saw a person across from them rather than uh talking to their screen yeah yeah for sure the punishment aspect is also very is super interesting because I hadn't really I hadn't conceptualized that in my head. I was like, well, if you say this thing on Twitter, then you won't get like followed by the mob or whatever, right? And they're like, oh, you're insert ism here, or like on the other side, oh, you're snowflake, oh, like you won't get followed by the. But I hadn't I hadn't connected that to like punishment. I had connected that more to they think that this is right, so we're gonna get them. But the punishment, yeah, that makes that. I mean, makes way more sense. Like that's your punishment, punishment. Um, yeah, that's very interesting. I hadn't considered that. I also have, yeah, that's got a lot of thoughts going. But I do try generally, like if I get bad messages in, in games, I try and respond like. I hope you have a great weekend. Yep. Like, and that pisses them off because like you're not engaging. Like they want you to be angry. They want you to, they want to bring you down to whatever like uncomfortable, unhappy position they're currently holding. Mm. Right. And so when you're like, Hey, no worries, dude. Uh, and I hope things are okay with you. You know, they go like, well, f- you know, fuck you even harder. That's not the, <laughs> that's not the response I wanted. Um, and it also prevents you from getting banned. There are a bunch of people who are like, like, why'd you ban me? I didn't do anything wrong. And then you bring up chat logs and they said some truly like bad shit. And yeah. then when you're like, okay, so here are your chat logs. And they're like, well, the other person started it. They said it first. It's like, that's not going to 
That's not going to save you. (laughs) So, yeah. That's so interesting. I don't, part of me is like the internet and social media and being able to say like what you want generally, I feel like is a good thing. Um, like on a very, like very, very philosophical, like high mm-hmm. level, I feel like it's a good thing. But then we've got to deal with this problem where it brings out the worst in people, which is like, I don't really know how to reconcile that because in my head, we've just talked like, oh, we'll just say have a good day and then like leave it alone. You can't do that for everyone though, right? Right. So that that's where I'm going. It's like, so what do you do with that where you can't do that anymore? But like generally feel like we don't want... I feel like, and you could tell me if this is crazy, but I feel like generally we want all the ideas to just exist. And then we can be like, nope, that's a bad one. Like, for example, like I don't like on a social media platform, if you say something that's like really, really like racist, like I don't think we should ban you because I think everyone should know that you're that person now. And then we can say, this is why you're wrong. And it just exists in there instead Mm. of it disappearing off into like nowhere. And then they go like do their own thing somewhere. And then they become like, like QAnon or some shit. Like, (laughs) like, yeah. Or like whatever the case may be is, is like, just leave them there. So we know like, this is the, this is that person that said that, that thing. And then we all know that that's wrong. And we all know that that person thinks that. And then that's the end of it. Instead of like it festering and just like, disappearing like just because just because we don't see it on our screen anymore doesn't mean it doesn't exist anymore Mm -hmm. also i think that's a so i don't know what do you think about that that's that is interesting because like in a in a perfect world i'd like that to be possible but in in my mind um two things happen when you are when you tolerate intolerable positions Mm. um or at least two things happen firstly there is the there is the nature of of implicit agreeing in the sense that any platform has the right to remove you from the platform. And if they do not remove you from the platform, some will argue that they are implicitly allowing or fostering that specific uh, standpoint, Mm -hmm. which isn't, which isn't, you know, and there's also the difference between like people perceiving things and, and the intention, right? So the platform may be, this is fully like, we just let you say whatever, Mm -hmm. but people will still say like, I saw this racist thing on this platform and they didn't ban them. So does that mean that the platform is also racist? Um, so mm-hmm. there's that. And then unfortunately, as much as we'd like to be able, or as much as I'd like to be able to think that, that mo- the majority of people will look at some racist asshole and say, that is a racist asshole. That is wrong. We shouldn't do this. Um, by, leave, by, by giving them the ability to have those intolerable positions online or in, in, a, in a forum, especially an anonymous forum, then they will get the ability to to form groups around that um, ideology. And so we, we may quarantine all the, the racist idiots in a corner, but then all the racist idiots are in a corner talking to each other about racist shit. And, and by allowing them to do that, by having that platform allow them to do that, we will foster an echo chamber of, of ideology that, that, will, that will continue to, to, to have them be racist um, in that little corner. So while I agree that, you know, in a, in a perfect world, we can all say, we can all agree. Everyone can like that person or that ideology sucks and we can just ignore it. But, but we can't, in my opinion, we can't just ignore it because well, then. 
because then it, it nothing is done about it. Yeah. Oh, I was going I wouldn't say ignore it, but like, well, you sorry. say like, I don't mean to imply that you meant okay. ignoring it. Sure. Uh, well, I meant is like, and you have the war of ideas, right? Let's say it's like, then, then the best idea without pushing ideas away, we can like say, Hey, this is why this idea is bad. And it's here for everyone to see this idea get dismantled by another idea type deal. I would deal. love for ideas to be easily dismantled by other ideas. Well, but... so I, yes, I agree, but I don't know. There are some positions where even if, you know, even if it's something that's demonstrably provable the other way, um, yeah. if they firmly believe that, then they're going to believe that regardless of, yeah. in fact, sometimes, you know, sometimes certain positions require some amount of, I'm going to use the word faith. It doesn't have to be religion themed. Sure. Uh, faith in an idea like faith that it is it is the way that it is and that is true regardless of and and it's uh, and, and when people give them examples to the contrary or say hey this is a bad idea that's they see that as a challenge that uh, as a challenge put forward against the ideas that they hold and then that solidifies them even more um, mm. is the worry for me yeah that's fair no I totally see your point and I don't <laughs> I neither of i think there's definitely issues with mine that you brought up and then i think i mean i'm not outside either (laughs) no i was i was gonna say probably somewhere in the middle but it's like where do you draw that balance is like the real tricky like is the real tricky thing i don't know for me it's like i get it when there's like platforms that like the implicit uh agreement point um for sure. I understand that one for sure. But just like ge- like generally in the world of speech, it's almost like I feel like it's like who defines what mm. speech doesn't right. get to be allowed. And then it's like at some point, the people that are defining it are the people that you really don't want to be defining it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like for me, that's kind of why I lean that way, I think. Um, that makes sense, too. Yeah. So... I don't know. What do you think? What do you think? Like, what do you, do you have thoughts on that before we continue? Or yeah, I I do. I think uh, to your point, you know, if if you make the rules, and and so on, on you know, on one hand, um, that just means that they are a private entity who can make that rule. So mm-hmm. let's say Twitter, for example. If sure. if Twitter, if Twitter were were hyper conservative and only allowed conservative views, um, there would be you know outcry about the people who don't hold conservative views. But in a way. That is the nature of of private corporations and private platforms. You know, Twitter is not a public. You know, Twitter is not part of the government. It's not a publicly owned thing. They can decide what they want to have on the platform. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, to your point, um, you know, and regardless of the viewpoint, yeah, if you have somebody who is con- who is controlling what can and can't be said, then naturally the conversations will tend to lean towards things that can be said because the things that can't be said are removed. Mm-hmm. Um, and. And I agree that in a perfect world, you know, uh, if, if we were all acting in good faith, that would, that would work because we would filter out things that the majority found distasteful um, naturally without, you know, requiring moderation. Um, but then on, on you know, the counterpoint in my mind is we often, find, or I, I, and this is a little bit hyperbolic, but there are positions where we have something that's fairly reasonable, right? Which is, or, or um, let's say, Let's say some people wanted to kill dogs, like all dogs or whatever. And so most people would say, okay, we like dogs. It's not funny. Right? Yeah. (laughs) I'm trying to find something that's, you know, relatively relatable. You know, we like dogs. We don't want to kill all dogs. That's a reasonable, like, semi-normal position. 
And then um, some people on the other end will say, I want to kill literally every dog in existence, all of them dead. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there are some people who, not everyone, but there are some people who will say, okay, well, there are these two opposing positions and we want to be, you know, tolerable of, of all, all, you know, all, all positions. So why don't we compromise and kill half the dogs? And, and then they will celebrate themselves as, as a, as a compromise, you know, as finding compromise, but you end up killing half of the dogs, um, which really doesn't need to happen. We like dogs. And so, and so that's the biggest worry that I have when, when talking about like, if we allow certain viewpoints as a society and then, and then the, the, the ones that societal, you know, society holds as, as, as generally accepted as, as good, then if we try to find compromise, we'll end up somewhere closer to the bad end that we want to be, then we want to be as a group. Mm. And that's just, that's just kind of my thought on it. That makes sense. That makes sense for sure. Yeah. It's a difficult, uh, so, it's so difficult. But it's the I nature of humanity, I, right? Like you're not going right, to, you know. hundred percent because yeah. I think, I think we both agree generally that like we want people to be able to say what they want to say. And then we also don't want people to think bad things. <laughs> like, right. Yes. So, like, think, <laughs> Ideally like, people are good and act in good faith and we don't yeah. even need to worry about like, nobody's going to say we should kill all the dogs. Yeah, no, exactly. And then, so that's like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. I think, um. I think our points, I think our views, not that we necessarily need to agree on everything, but I think at this point we'll be splitting hairs if we mm. go down a bit further. So I wanted to move on a bit. And there's sure. one, there's one, um, and we might, we might do a similar thing with, with this one, but I was talking with, um, listening to a podcast and talking with somebody uh, the other day about like, ob- like objective truth versus like perception. Mm. And like, where does, where does it actually, where does the bottom where does the where does it bottom out because right you and i can see the exact same situation differently and so does it does it matter if that situation happened or does it matter how we think how we see it happening because like we only see it how we see it or then like you can tell me how you see it but it's still not, it's still not the exact same as like what actually happened. Like it's the same yes. it's the same problem that you run in with like eyewitness testimony. It's like all right, somebody's dead, but notoriously somebody else do exactly. So I was really curious. Like I wanted to like I don't know. I've just been curious to like see what other people think about this because for me like the situation occurred and that's definitely the like there's a certain like reality about the world that has to we all have to come from like this common uh, reality and then otherwise like we can perceive it differently, but like the reality still has to exist. And mm-hmm. I, that's, that's kind of how I view it. So I was, I've just been curious, like what other people are thinking, like what other people think about it. I, I l- love talking about stuff like this uh, because it, it can get so philosophical and mm-hmm. so deep. Um, so uh, have you, have you heard of a uh, uh, philosophical concept called solipsism? I've, I've not, but if you describe it, I, I might have. There's a lot of stuff yeah, yeah, that yeah. I, like, I've heard of, but don't know the name. So, uh, so the idea is all that, all that you, all that can be proven is, is your own existence. It, like the self is all that can be known to exist. All I know for certain is that I exist. Mm. So I don't know that you exist for, for sure. Mm. I, I perceive you, right? Yeah. 
And so, and that's always a fascinating, I don't, I don't just, I don't subscribe to the idea that everything is in my head or whatever, or like I am creating the universe by perceiving it or anything like that. But it's an interesting lens through which to look at things because, because in a similar way to how I mentioned that it's difficult to take a step back and, and view things beyond your own perspective, or like I only play the game at super high levels, so that's how I perceive the game. Mm-hmm. It's difficult to do that for, for everything because everything Everything that I do is through my perception. As much as I, I, can tr- I, I think I understand what you or any person thinks or sees or perceives, all, all I know is my perception. And so, so in that sense, I do believe that everything that happens is different based on, on your perception. On the other hand, I think that we can break down... If we strip away everything that has to do with perception we can break down physical elements of the universe that have changed. So for instance, if I punch you and your, and your skin splits and there is blood on your face, what can, what objectively, what, what, what is the current situation is that there is blood on your face. Mm-hmm. And so, and so that is true. There is blood on your face. However, it came to be, there's blood in your face. And, and so I do believe that that exists. But we don't live in an objective world. By, by nature, we live in a subjective world, even more so because all you can perceive is your own subjective perception. And so, and so, things, and so you will perceive that I punched you for no reason and, or whatever, right? And, and it, was, it, was, it was terrible, and it was a sucker punch, and, and it was pretty weak. You, you know, it was pretty weak. Like, you really need to hit the gym, Kevin. And, like, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a bitch and all that stuff, right? And I'll perceive that I imagined that you said something mean about my mother. And, and so I was justified in punching you and, uh, and, and all that stuff, right? And, and they're both true in the sense that those are our perceptions, and valid because they have because they exist, but but I don't believe that there is an objective truth in perception. Like I, I like like the idea of if you did say something mean about my mother, am I justified in punching you? The answer will be different between people. There's no objective universal like code of justice. So so we can describe things that have happened physically, but there's but but everything hinges on a shared understanding of some melding of the perception of everyone involved is, is my kind of long answer to a short question. Mm, no, I think that's great. I think I also agree pretty much with everything. I think like, right. We both have, I was going to use the punching example as well. I feel like that's right. the one that you were going to punch me. Often. I guess. <laughs> no, no, no. Not, I was just like, if somebody punched somebody, but like, I feel like that's the example that pops up most often because it's like a physical, like regardless of the, pain that i am perceiving or i'm feeling my skin is still split and there's still blood right and so we could perceive the reasons or not reasons why or why it happened but it still happened i so like there's like if we get into for me there's a bit of a this is not meant to be a cop out. I was going to say there's a bit of oh, a gray area. Sure. There's a bit of a gray area between like your something of you made contact with me and now there's blood. So it, it almost like from a practical level, 
how exactly we perceive that to happen almost doesn't even matter because the thing happened, right? Like there's right. blood on my face. There's a set and, of circumstances that right. now exist that didn't yeah. before. Yeah. And it was caused by an action by one person. Like, like we could say objectively you did it. Let's say it's like on video or whatever, right? Sure. Objectively you did it yes. regardless of like how you, how you did it. You, there was an action taken that yes. led to a consequence that happened for sure. Yes. Then you get into like the the justice part of it, which is also like that's almost its own conversation because since everything is so subjective, like I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, that's almost its own sort of set of circumstances. But like, so. Where was I going with this? Oh, yeah. So there was an action that was like an action was taken for sure. Mm-hmm. And then we both perceive why it happened differently. And I and I feel that there's a bit of objectivity that goes past just the physical elements that exist in like mm. the sky is blue. It's like, yeah, okay. So we like, I think the ground from the ground floor is like, rocks are hard right like that's an objective like well not even well you can go not even because some rocks are softer than others but like you can say i think there's a level of objectivity that goes past the physical elements around us and into the actions that were taken because while we perceive that the reasons that the actions were taken can be differently but the actions were still taken and they still have the consequences like if I like if somebody is drunk driving and they hit somebody and they kill somebody, that person is still dead. Like that is regard- correct. So that's like an objective like thing, which sucks. But it's like I don't know. And then yeah, so I don't know. I feel so. I'm going to push back just a tiny sure. bit, sure, just to spark conversation. So you said that somebody is killed by a drunk driver, and that sucks. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say, yes, they were killed by the drunk driver. And then I'm going to divorce that a little bit from the that sucks because I, I believe it sucks and you believe it sucks well, and most people believe it sucks. But <laughs> there is no objective the universal. The death of something is wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, some, and, and most people, most people are ingrained with a sense of, you know, we want to preserve life and we want to generally preserve life for other people. Yeah. Right. But then there are some people who are wired differently who like other people dying or even themselves dying literally doesn't matter. Like it makes no difference. And so we build, we build the, that sucks component uh, as a, as a society or as a, as a, like as humans, which I think is tough sometimes to like, to think of, well, if we didn't believe this way, then it doesn't, it, it cosmically doesn't matter that something happens. Yeah, that's very true. So I should have caveated like, the objective thing is that that person is 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 gone. Yes. Yep. But the subjective is exactly what you just brought up. I said it sucks out of like societal like duh, obviously it sucks. Right. But that's you don't a want very somebody good to point. die. You know? Right. That's a very good point that you bring up where it's where the line of for me where it crosses is so thin that it blurs into the event that happened i.e 
the eyewitness testimony that we were talking about earlier mm-hmm. is like, did that really happen that way? It's like, well, when you remember, like your memory is a very faulty, not very reliable thing. And so, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think we've, I think we've drifted into such a subjective world that almost some of the objectivity is lost, but like there's, there wasn't that much to lose almost, if that makes Mm. sense. I I think I agree with you in the sense that, like I was saying before, since everything is so inherently subjective that, that we can't generally divorce what the objective affects from our subjective perception. Um, So in that sense, we do minimize the objective, what has happened because we can only perceive and act on that perception. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah, I agree for sure. I try to I try to separate them as much as I can in in life just because mm-hmm. it I don't want to say like it keeps me sane, but when, when something when, it does, right? Well, yes, yeah, it, it well it does because when something bad happens, right? You can the at least the ability for me to say yes this thing happened and it's unfortunate but i can control how i react to this thing yes yep that for me is why like when i talk to people like no everything's subjective or they think in that way i that's why i ask because i feel the opposite way where it's like i can separate the two and then it helps me kind of like move on and then i don't know it's empowering. I, I think. I think. I think we can hold parallel views here, because yeah. because for you it's and for and for and and it, it can be very empowering to be able to 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 recognize that this thing has happened, and this is how I am perceiving it and how I'm reacting to it, and I know that it's how I'm reacting to it, and I can and I can then have power over my reaction to to address what has happened. Um, yeah. So. So while yes, everything is per- is perceived, I I think that that actually potentially lends power to you being able to to address it. Yeah, and I don't even know if that's like philosophically sound or whatever. That's totally a thing. Well, the, the idea of like internal and external locuses of control in psychology is like has something happened to me and and I have no power to control it, or do I have power to control what is happening or how I react to things? Is super is super totally a thing. Mm, fair enough then so this is actually interesting because i feel like based on just the last like 10 minutes that you're probably you're definitely more versed in like the the ideas that lead into these sort of conversations so when people so i'm i'm going to be totally lost so feel free to correct me so when like this sort of idea is being constructed in like uh an aristotle or a plato or like whoever was the one that was mostly doing this sort of thing like how how is this idea constructed from like the philosophical traditions that we that we like think of generally if you know if you don't know that's okay also Uh, i don't particularly know i do want to say though like uh, i don't think there's any like you know you're lost or 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 whatever don't know whatever like this this whole conversation the whole point is 
to bounce ideas off of each other. So it doesn't matter necessarily if anyone, either one of us is, is grounded in the specific thinking or having a specific knowledge because the, the conversation is still valuable. So I don't want you to put yourself down like, oh, you know, correct me kind of thing. Because I don't well, think there's a correct. I think there's just a conversation. Well, um, yes, I agree. But it was more based on the, I don't, I haven't read those. So if there was something from the readings that I would gotcha, know. Gotcha, it, yeah, gotcha, yeah. Um, I, I'm not, uh, I'm not super, super well-versed enough to give like a lecture on the topic. Sure. Um, uh, a lot of that is just kind of as, as the, you know, that's how I, I live my life is I, I, uh, I try to pull in things that resonate with me from, from whatever, or whoever, or whomever, uh, and then kind of stitch it together to figure out how I, Kevin, um, interact with stuff. And I, and I certainly didn't mean to be like, oh, well, you know, the ancient philosopher said uh, I didn't mean any of that shit. No, no, no. I didn't uh, take it as, as as that at all. So, no, you're good. Um, do you mind if I ask why you painted your nails? I don't mind at all. Uh, the short answer is because I wanted to, to be honest. Um, Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, and that's and that's a cop out answer. Right. But um, every 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 February, I dye my hair for charity because I shave it off in March. And uh, it's fun because it provides like two ish months of this is different. No, more than that, because it takes two months for my hair to grow back, like three or four months of this is different. I have dyed hair, which gains attention, but rarely conflict. And then I have a shaved head, which gains attention, but rarely conflict. Thankfully, nobody's ever thought I was a skinhead. That was like the, that was that was what I was worried about. It's like <laughs> this dude, no hair, white. Like, what's going on? Um, and uh, so I decided. Vibe. Don't worry. I decided uh, what would it look like if I painted my nails? And so I painted my own nails. I did a shit job at it. Um, and then I got somebody else to do them. And I kind of like. I just kind of like how they look, and and that's why I've kept it. Uh, I, I'm not so attached to. It's not part of my personal identity. So, like, if I wanted to, I could just take them off and be good and just be good. Like, nothing would change. It's totally cool. Um, but, I, uh, but I like how I look. And, that's the sh- and it's not, like, a great answer, but at the end of the day, that's, that's, that's pretty much why. Yeah, no, fair play. It's, like, it's one of those things where it's, like, uh, it's not necessarily a statement, but it's, you're experimenting with, with different things. Like, um, and it's fun, honestly. Yeah. Like, when I got, like... Before I got my, the tattoo I have actually got it. Like I had Jenna draw it on me just to see how, and like in different ways, and it was fun. Mm. Like with, and she did it with in a way that didn't look like somebody just like scribbled a thing on me with pen because mm. that's less fun. But um, <laughs> yeah, unless you make that specific statement, <laughs> I want a scribbled draw a tattoo on my on my back. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean. You know, if my girlfriend said, uh, hey, Kevin, I don't like your nails, I'd, I'd just get rid of them. Um, yeah. It's not that big a deal to me, but it's kind of fun to be, you know, what does it look like? What does it feel like? Yeah, I figured I'd ask because I've known a few guys that have done that, and some of them have, like, different reasons for, it's like, one ring finger is black because of some, like, sure. some reason or something like that. So, um all right, we've not even talked about video games at all, and, it's, <laughs> uh, and, and we're an hour in. All right, so... um I had one, two questions specifically for video for video games for you that I was curious about. All right, hit me. Um, one is the, so again, using FIFA as the example because I don't play any other video games really. They're introducing cross-platform into their online play for a 1v1 
which is basically most of it, 1v1 mode. Is this um, like a ranked mode? Yes. Okay. Why, what are the difficulties with that? Why has it taken, well, I don't want to say this long because I don't know the technology, but sure. why Why now? What happened with the technology that I guess allowed it to be now uh, and not five years ago, but also not five years in the future? Um, and are we going, are we moving in a direction where, because right now it's just the PlayStation and the Xbox platforms, mm-hmm. not not PC. Are you moving in a direction where we could see PC games, i.e., like that are only on PC, get mm-hmm. played, uh, like have Xbox or PlayStation versions made? And is that kind of where it's just as long as you have that iteration of the game, regardless of the platform, you can play with anyone? Is that the direction we're moving in? Uh, so that's a great question. I think there are a bunch of things that go into that, right? Uh, I'll, I'll list, them, list them off the top of my head, and then we'll see if we can go down and dive into some of them. Um, sure. So uh, by combining player pools, you have a combined larger player pool is one. Um, and the, the, the best way, the fastest way to improve matchmaking is to have more people in the matchmaking. Like, you can try to tweak the, the, the ELO algorithm. You can try, try to tweak all that stuff. But the fastest, quickest way to improve matchmaking is, is literally just to have more people in the, bell cur- in, in the curve. Um, so that's part of it. Um, part of it could be, uh, agreements with third parties. So Sony or Microsoft could say, I don't want to be, um, in the same, I don't want to, you know, I don't want our players playing with other platforms. Uh, there are certain requirements that Sony and Microsoft have, uh, when cross-playing. So for instance, if you're on, uh, if you're on PlayStation and are playing with, uh, players on other platforms, Sony requires you to have the Sony symbol next to people, next to you and people who are playing on your platform. And so you will often see like a little mouse next to PC players or, and the Sony symbol next to Sony players and an Xbox symbol or, or no symbol next to uh, Xbox players. And so part of that's requirements or agreements for, for third party companies. Part of that's the technology. Um, there, you know, uh, there are there are there are different, you know, they are they are different software, and there are different some complications in the back end. Like, how do we get these two uh, platforms? Because they're all they're also on different services. You know, the PlayStation service versus Xbox services. How do we get them to play nice with each other? So it's partially that, and then um, and then while FIFA doesn't have this this uh, conversation, Paladins does. You know, we're talking about potentially having uh, PC and gamepad crossplay and ranked and so there are conversations around that you know is 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 uh is mouse and keyboard superior quote-unquote superior uh gameplay wise um are people who play on mouse and keyboard going to be frustrated with what could be considered like a soft aimbot that is um uh my mind's blanking um the aim assist aim assist Mm-hmm. Right. Some players argue that if the aim assist in the game is a certain way, then you are actually better off playing on controller because it quote unquote aims for you. Um, some people. Uh, so, so there are those arguments. Like, do we do we justify and uh, do we have do we have different balances? Like, do we have, do we have to balance for a specific platform? 
um, which isn't really a problem for FIFA because they're both on gamepad. I don't think the ergonomics of the controller matter enough to to warrant like different you know different no. balances per. per no, uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say so. Per 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 platform, but you know potentially if you're on PC player, you could hotkey. You could you can hotkey things that controllers can't. Right, like select next mm-hmm. player. You know you could make a macro on PC you couldn't make on a controller. Hold hold down button for this long to shoot exactly this power. That kind of thing. Um, and and is that viable competitively? And so those are kind of the big things, right? Um, uh, that that we think about. It could also be it kind of to your point or to your question of is this the future? Uh, I think with with the rise of so many games vying for people's attention, um, we want to make the experience for any given game as good as possible. And so in a ranked experience, part of that will be okay. We are now pushing towards crossplay or for to increase that player pool. Um, to increase that accessibility, if it was a PC only game, we might see we might see games being developed for PC and Xbox and whatever. You know, Paladins came to Switch, and not because it's easy to be on Switch, because it is not easy to be on Switch. Switch is not made; <laughs> the hardware is not made for high fidelity games. Um, but it opens the game up to a wider audience, and that increases the quality of the game and increases revenue and all that stuff. And um, and uh, yeah, and so those, and and so that is kind of where things are going in that sense. Yeah, you know, we want the game to be as accessible as possible to as many people as possible, to both improve the game quality experience, like as a player, and to increase the revenue uh, for the company. Hmm. Fair enough. All that makes sense for sure. I'm not well versed in the gaming world enough to, not necessarily have thoughts, but. Everything I don't. I mean, I'd love to hear you your thoughts. So I don't. I don't think like so. Tech, like technologically speaking, that kind of it, for me, it is what it is. If, if they got the the services to play nice and the backends to play nice, then that like sure. Um, the other the player pool makes sense. Part of that for me is like in FIFA or other games when you're playing against someone who's as good as you it almost makes it more frustrating because of the um oh what's the what's the game term for like lucky bounces uh are you thinking like variants or it's, uh is it it's not r&d it's like rng RNG. Yeah, okay. RNG, yeah. RNG, yeah so it's almost more frustrating when if you're matched up with somebody who's equal as like i'd almost rather just get my butt kicked, then lose to RNG. Gotcha. Uh, it's, but because it's like you put your player in a position to make a tackle, and then the game decides that your player is going to get nutmegged, and right. you're like... And it wasn't because you lost, it's because the game fucked up, or whatever. Or, and, like, and, some animation, like, didn't... Like, right. there's, there's different... Out of your control. That, right. And so that is why you see, I think, with FIFA specifically, so many like rage videos and broken controllers mm. and uh, like you see it in other games as well. But so I would worry about that with FIFA specifically other games though. I think it makes total sense. Like you want to have like age of empires, for example, you'd want to, you like, you want to have the most competitive games because when you play against somebody who's just a little bit better than you, who's got the build order down just a little bit faster than you. And they get into an age age, like everything compounds and then you just have no shot. Right, and the same vice versa. If you're just better than somebody, then it's just like an easy. And that's quote unquote like the way things should be, right? Yeah, and so the bigger player pool will help with that for a single single player specifically um, with a game like Age of Empires. For multiplayer, 
Um, I think it's just helpful all around. Just more games is probably better. Um, those are kind of my thoughts. I think on the like the true gamers, I guess for lack of a better <laughs> characterization, I don't. I used to be, and still am to a certain extent, an offline sort of junkie, I guess. Mm-hmm. I feel like like a career mode or a campaign mode or a, something like that. Um, because I didn't really care. I cared about the progression. Like in FIFA, you get a young player and then you make him into a superstar, right? Like right. you can't really do that online. Um just based on like if you're playing the career mode at this time and somebody else is playing at a different time, like how does the calendar work and like all the other things that would go into that that make it difficult. Um, And I feel like the campaign modes and the career modes and the offline modes in games that have online modes. So say like football manager, for example, is pretty much only offline. So they do their upgrades every year because that's the game. Their player base loves that anyways. Right. But I feel like the offline modes for games that have online modes have just been very neglected over the Mm. last, I don't know, five, like the last, like I haven't played FIFA career mode in probably five, four or five years, just because it's basically the same thing. Like they Mm -hmm. haven't added, they've added in like, stuff that looks cool and then you do it one time and then you just sim it because it's still boring like they haven't so i have you seen that with like does does paladins have offline i don't Mm, there are things you can do you need to be connected to the internet to play the game there are things you can do without other players but there's no offline mode so anyway so and so i guess well, that's good then because you don't have to criticize your own game. <laughs> well, no, but I <laughs> but, mean, to your... but do you have like, have you seen that in across the gaming industry? Do you have thoughts on that? Like, yeah, I, I think there are, you know, a couple, like, as usual, a couple of different aspects about it. Right. You know, so, so something you said kind of stuck out to me. Um, the offline mode for games that have online modes, I think is a good way to characterize it mm-hmm. because there are box titles that don't have multiplayer at all. And that's what the yeah. game is. And that's understood. And then there are there are and then there are, you know box styles are free to play or, or games of service whatever titles that have an offline mode and have multiplayer and how do you balance those two and then you have your only online games like Paladins or or whatever um, that require you to be playing at least connected to a server if not with other and then the main modes are with other people right and so and part of it and and so part of it's you know uh, part of it's money. Right. Of course. Um, you know, why haven't we seen the next GTA? Uh, because the current one that's been out for however many years and GTA online is still going strong and still making a shit ton of money. So why would they cut their foot off to, to, to release the next iteration that's going to at best split the player base unless they find some weird amalgamation merge of GTA online and its next iteration when they're still making money now? And so yeah. on one hand, yes, we want to make the next game and a cool, cooler thing with the new engine. But on the other hand, why would you bother if it's still going strong? And, and you know, why, why would you create another version of the game or update the offline mode if you make the majority of your money on the online mode and it's still going strong? And that sucks, yeah. right? You know, ideally we want to always iterate and make the next coolest thing and have it be populated with a healthy player base and have the experience be enjoyable. But it may not be like it may not just not be worth it for them. 
So that's part of it. Um, I think, and this is completely unsubstantiated, but my perception is that there, over the course of the last five to 10 years, there's been a, a big rise in the availability of, of free-to-play or free-to-play adjacent games that are pulling, like, and, and, and the same, like, it's not like the world population has, has doubled. So we have the same general pool of game players who are now being pulled in, in more directions than ever before. And so how do we entice players to play our game? And so you have your 60-hour box titles, um, and that's a thing. And then you have your multiplayer experiences that, um, that, keep, that, that try to keep things fresh, try to keep you both engaged as a player and spending money. And that's why you see your box titles like Call of Duty also have battle passes and other cosmetics and microtransactions because people still do. People will buy your $60, $70 game and then buy a battle pass every two months and then also buy a skin DLC every once in a while. And so that's the most viable business product for them. And, uh, and, and they, and they're desperately and, and not desperate in like a bad sense, but everyone is desperately trying to entice, you know, a limited amount of time to their game instead of other games. And so they'll, they'll focus towards what players play the most or what they most engage with. And oftentimes that's kind of your multiplayer um, is, is my, is my gut reaction to that question. Yeah. I agree. It, mo- it probably definitely mo- comes down to money. Still sucks though. For it does like, suck. For, I like. I, I wish of... money didn't matter. I wish I could make like the coolest game. Yeah. But I make decisions based on resources. <laughs> yeah. Your point about the microtransactions for Call of Duty applies a hundred percent to FIFA with FIFA points, which leads me to my next question of the loot box issue mm. or conundrum. Um. For those listening that don't know what this is, basically it's you can pay real money for a pack box, uh, any like present, whatever you want to call it, that contains a random assortment of prizes. I guess is that is that the best way to put it? Yeah, and you know whatever whatever monetization strategy or cosmetics or any like any add-ons to the base game that they'll 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 bunch a bunch of them up in a loot box or a chest and you can buy that and you'll get like one item out of the chest randomly and so uh is is kind of the general gist so what's happened with fifa specifically is i think the there was several um like underage gambling lawsuits mm. And so now they have like the percentage of you have like three percent to get this player, like the like those sorts of things. But it's still there's still issues that have been arise that have arisen with FIFA. I would assume that there are similar issues across other games with microtransactions. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I've not done any sort of research, but definitely given the way that the consumer base or part of the consumer base is has spoken out against um this sort of gambling addictive um right but gambling is addictive mm-hmm. addictive behavior what are your do you have thought what are your thoughts on that um what are your thoughts on the future of how sort of this um issue will get resolved and then what do you think will 
sort of replace or how will it be refined? Yeah. So again, and I use this phrase in an ideal world a lot, this podcast, but, but in an ideal world, we don't pray. So the, the issue I have with loot boxes and similar things is that um, they are inherently predatory due to the nature of, you know, FOMO, fear of missing out and, and the addictive nature of, of uh, gambling adjacent behaviors. Um, so, you know, you could beat this level uh, if you pay a little bit of money or you get this really cool thing, but it's random. So you got to keep rolling and you hit the jackpot eventually and you get that rush of dopamine, I think is slightly predatory, not necessarily malicious, but slightly predatory. And, um, and but the reason it's done is because it it is a good way to make money. It works. It works. And and so, you know, as far as the resolution goes, I think unless uh, unless the behavior itself is prevented, whether that's through laws or like a, a, a shift in human, <laughs> human nature to, to not want to gamble anymore, um, then it will probably continue in some form until, until it is, until it is, uh, until it's stopped. Um, what, you know, and, and there are some extreme examples. Um, and I don't, I'm not privy to like marketing or, or monetization numbers for any other game. But for for instance, um, the most recent one, Diablo Immortal, you hear hyperbolic things um, and, and statements from the devs that are both true. And so there's the concept of, of of whales, and those are players who have a lot of money and are willing to spend a lot of money per game to get where they want to get. And then you know there are different animal whatevers, sh- krill, minnows, whatever for people who spend less money. And so the question is, do we market to whales and are they going to be able to, to sustain most of the monetization of a game? And in that case, yeah, let's sell $20 DLCs. Let's sell loot packs on loot packs on loot packs because these whales are willing to spend the money to buy them. And that's a viable market strategy or, uh, and then so, and so, you know, for Diablo immortal, the reason I bring that up is there, there are certain aspects of the game that are so layered and layered and layered on RNG, which is, you know, random number generation, which is kind of a shorthand for anything that has a, a chance of happening. Um, there's certain aspects that are, that are labeled, you know, that are layered so far in RNG that um, if you wanted statistically to max out the game, it would require something like, somebody calculated it out, something like over $100,000 US dollars. And so realistically, very few to no people are going to spend $100,000 to max out the game. And realistically, you don't even need to max it out. You can still do well um, without, without whatever. But people use that as a point saying, like, is it really good for us to, to, push, that, you know, to push that idea of so many layers of complexity and RNG and loot boxes to the point where you, you can spend $100,000 on a game? And then, you know, to the devs' credit, um, you know, they have said, the vast majority of players are able to play the game and have fun without spending any money. And I think that's probably true. I think that's probably true. It is, it is a, it is, it is a fun game to play without spending money. You can get out of it what you might want to get out of a game without spending money. Um, and so it's kind of that juxtaposition. Like, do I feel like I can get enough out of the game without spending money? If I want to be competitive in PvP, do I spend, do I drop $100? Do I drop $1,000 to try to get this the next level of whatever competitiveness? Or do I drop hundred grand and uh, I'm a god? Uh, yeah. and, and, so, and so the question is, 
is it okay to have those whale bait things um, if you still provide the, the, the vast majority of positive experience? Uh, you know, is it overly predatory? And then, you know, at what, at what point do we, do we try to resolve this? Uh, yeah. That kind of that business practice. Yeah. I, I think most games probably you can have, there's enough in it to that you can like do well without spending money. That's the goal, right? But it's not very, <laughs> very few players in a free to play game actually spend significant amounts of money. Mm-hmm. And so you're always trying to, you're always trying to get players to convert from free to play to, to paid, but like average ARPU average revenue per user ARPU is, is a metric. And so, you know, how do we get the higher average revenue per user? And that's either by increasing users or like increasing user engagement, or we can increase monetization by increasing users because our ARPU will remain the same, but we'll have more players spending money per player. Um, and so you want it to be engaging for people who don't want to spend money because, uh, because that then we can convince them to spend money or it just markets the game like, oh, come play this game. Maybe they'll friend, their friend will spend money. Um, but we need to provide the opportunity to spend money or that's, you know, the, the prevailing viewpoint is you should be able to provide if people want to spend a hundred grand, they, sh- they quote unquote should be able to, I, I don't necessarily agree with that, but the idea is, you know, from, if they want to dump free, money into the game, yeah. what, what, don't stop them, you know? Yeah. And that's interesting as well, because from a, a business perspective, like you are trying to keep, well, one, at a very base level, your people employed. Yes. And so, yep. so you have to you have to make some money because of the overhead costs and, and everything else. And so you have to bring in a certain amount of money that maybe you don't get if your game is, for example, free to free to play. You don't have the you're going to Best Buy on Black Friday to spend forty dollars for the disc right. anymore. So you have to make the money up in some way, shape, or form from a business perspective. Then you get to the other side of like the it's also not the business's fault that human nature is what it is. Like it's not that like they didn't make people be that way. They just took advantage of a thing that already existed. Mm-hmm. And so you get into this, like you said, sort of conundrum where in an ideal world, of course, you mm-hmm. have people only spend like within their means. And then it would be fine because the businesses stay afloat, the people stay employed, the people have fun in the game, and everybody's happy. But instead, what happens is people don't do that because they're people. And then it's like, okay, well, whose responsibility is it really to not spend the money? I feel like it's kind of where if you boil everything down to it, like if, if somebody has a an addictive personality i feel like and this could be totally wrong but i feel like they'd they'd find a way to like do to gamble right if not loot boxes something else is be an argument yeah and i don't and i don't subscribe to that idea fully because i i don't think that like just because somebody is that way doesn't mean that there should be a lineup of industries waiting to get that person I, right. whether it's the casinos or the loot boxes or the whatever it might be like that doesn't make it right either mm-hmm. 
So yeah, I don't know. It's um, and then like, if it's their responsibility to not spend the money, but they if they have they have like the choice, then like you're saying, like if somebody wants wants to drop a hundred game, like who's like who's who's to stop them? Like it's it's them. It's their money. They can tech. They can do what they want with it. But like, that's where like the moral and ethical meets like the right. sort of practical and it's a bit like and it's like well so everybody's just kind of like well what do we do Mm -hmm. i guess nothing and we'll just put the percentages and then it's fine yeah there's that like okay you know you'll 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 there are certain things prescribed by law and then otherwise people have to have the right to to do right or wrong by themselves and that's the Mm -hmm. nature of civilization really Mm -hmm. right yeah like there are certain things that we as a society agree don't do this. And then otherwise I can't tell you to not drink too much. You know, yeah. I can tell you it's illegal to drink and drive. But I can't tell you it's illegal to get wasted because that's kind of your prerogative to, yeah. to, to ruin your liver or whatever. Right. Yeah. And then we have the laws. Like if you get wasted and you assault somebody, we have the law that you can't assault somebody. Right. And so that's where we take you in. But like, yeah. And so it's tough because I don't like the predatory nature of, I need to get as much money as possible out of players. And I do I this via whatever, right? I don't think anybody really does. Like, I don't even think, like, I've not asked. Really any, I've not asked. Money. Well, that, well that's, where, that's where I was going. I was going to say, like, even if you ask, like, the devs, I feel like the devs don't really like it. But I don't, I mean, I, don't, I mean, I get they might because might, they might get, like, windfall from it. But I don't know. I mean, I'd much rather be able to make a, a game that I think is the best game that I can and feel and, and, and feel confident that I'll still be employed in five years. Yeah. Um, without feeling like, well, I wanted to make this really cool system, but I have to put some monetization into it because otherwise it's not going to be worth the, it's not going to return any uh, dev investment mm-hmm. unless there's some way that people can spend money on it. And that, that kind of sucks as a dev, but it's also, so we try to balance like what's right by the players and what's right by the company and, and the people who are employed by it. Yeah. And then some things are above my head, right? Like I'm not, I'm not a C, I'm not a C-suite level person. Yeah. So if 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 the CEO says this is how we monetize, uh, I either say okay or I find another job. You know, at some point. Yeah. And once again, we started with human nature, and we're back to human <laughs> nature, and it's been an hour. It's and all a, half. a big circle. Yeah. Where do you think? Um, are you optimistic or pessimistic for the future of, I'll say, Western slash American society as a whole? Oh, man. Um, I'm somewhat uh, mis- um, I'm, I'm somewhat pessimistic in, in, in general. Um, about humanity, just because there are, while there are so many beautiful things and so many amazing things about human human interaction and, you know, loving each other and all that stuff, there are also so many things that are just so terrible. And I haven't really been impressed with um, some of the recent developments in Western civilization uh, in the United States. So I'm going to have to answer, uh, I think, slightly pessimistic. Um, I think we are not without hope, and I'd like to think that we can rally around um, we can find a way through things, but some of these, some of the things that are happening are truly like 
I don't understand how this can even be happening in a society of competent individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I, you know, without going into details, I guess I'm slightly pessimistic, and I really hope I, I really hope I'm proven wrong, and I really hope that changes. I don't know. I don't think I'm that far from you on that either. I think um, I want to hope that part of me is like we've got we've we've been through equally if not worse situations and come out the other side then the other part of me is like well there's always the first time (laughs) (laughs) we get through it until we don't right like (laughs) yeah exactly so i don't know i think um i think we're in a growing pain of the of the situation with the internet but i think i i do think the We've seen the rise of some people that have been um, very heavily promoting the betterment of yourself and those around you from like a very micro level. And I think that that is a good thing. I think that having conversations like the one that we've had is a good thing generally. Like, right, we're, we're... or acting in good faith and trying to explore the world around us in a mm-hmm. way that, right. This is one of those conversations where at least for me, I'll come away being like, Oh, that was a great conversation. Like I'll feel good about it. And so I think that the internet is allowing, while it's bringing out the worst in people, it is also allowing things like this to occur. And I am hoping that like this side of things will prevail and Mm -hmm. i and i would say like i would give it the slight edge at the at the moment so okay um i don't know right we'll we'll see i could be proven wrong very quickly i mean i hope i'm i hope i'm wrong i mean all we can do right is just positively influence our sphere of influence like Mm -hmm. that's literally all we can do so you're like yeah have these conversations and then go out and and like this is kind of like a super basic example but like you know just be nice just be nice to somebody on the on the street tomorrow or whatever and that that little bit of you know making the world better as long as we keep keep adding those drops and that tips so that 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 balance the tips over the balance of the scale towards the good side and not the bad side i think there's still hope yeah just go uh coach a youth soccer team exactly on, on make a weekends. difference in your <laughs> sphere of influence 100 percent. um do you have anything you want to plug before we get out of here Oh gosh, I mean, I could do the standard like check out Paladins. Uh, we just released a new champion, and, and then not to be like and then, but then also the the next champion I'm working on, super excited for. Um, uh, plug, I guess, uh, if you want to have more conversations with me. I mean, I uh, I've really been enjoying you know both times I've been on the the World XP podcast. Definitely check them out. Obviously, they're your hosts. Um, they're awesome. Eric's awesome. Um, you can find me on Twitter right now. I'm at evil mojo, Nico, N E C O. Uh, I love having conversations like this. So if you're interested in that, check me out, uh, or just say hi. Uh, but other than that, um, I don't think so. Like I said, are I really still, appreciate you, you having me streaming? on. Hmm? Yeah, for sure. Are you still streaming? Uh, uh, occasionally. Yes. You can find me on Twitch at, uh, Nico ergo sum, sum. 
which is N-E-C-O-E-R-G-O-S-U-M. So I stream a variety of games, and I'll talk about I'll talk about game dev from time to time as well. Awesome. There you have it. Dude, this has been great. I really appreciate your time. Always. Thank you, Eric. It's been a pleasure. Likewise. All right, guys. With that, we'll see you all next time. Peace. Peace.